Hey, good morning. If you're new, I'd also like to welcome you. I'm Charlie, the lead pastor here, and really glad that you're worshiping with us. And we are finishing a series in James today. And this last year and a half or so, for those of you guys who don't know, some of you, I know some of this, maybe you don't know me, you don't know any of this really. Been, there's been a, a lot of landmarks for us as a family over the last, so, so, so two, two falls ago, the fall I guess of, of 17, our youngest daughter started kindergarten. So for the second time in our lives, we have all of our kids now in school, and that was kind of, you know, that's kind of an emotional thing for her, for us, it was kind of a big deal. Then you fast forward to next, this next fall, which was this last, this last fall, and our middlest daughter, Lauren, she turned uh, 18, which is a big deal for her, and then she got to vote. She was really excited about that, voting for the first time last November, and fast forward a few months, our oldest daughter, Maylee, she turned 21, which is a big deal for her, you know, kind of you know, feeling like she's becoming an adult and her junior year of college, and somewhere in all of that our car insurance premiums went down, and that was amazing. So that was good. And, and so, you know, we got these big landmarks for them, turning 18, turning 21, going to school. And then here in 10 days, uh, my wife and I will be celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary, right? Right, and uh, it's, really, it's really cool. And then so you start talking about these things, you know, your youngest is now going to school, you've got, you got two kids, one's 21, one's 18, you've been married 25 years. People like to ask, I mean, is, does it feel like it's been that long? Does it, does, does it feel like that? And sometimes I don't really know how to answer those kinds of questions because it, it almost seems like it's not, it's, not a, it's not a simple yes or no because in some ways it really feels like, man, there's no, there's no way it's been 25 years. It can't have been that long. It seems like it's gone really fast. Maylee can't be 21. It seems like just yesterday that she was just a baby. But then you also think, man, there have been some really, really long seasons, right? There have been some parts that it's like that, just that one year felt like 25 years. That, you know, I mean, if you've ever had a newborn, it's like, they're, they're not, it's, how long are they newborns? It seems like forever, right? They're just certain seasons, certain seasons in work and your relationship with your spouse and certain uh, things with your kids or just life in general. Sometimes it seems like it's going really fast. And other times it just seems like it just won't end. And it's been dragging like this forever. And so James, over the course of a couple of different passages here that we're going to look at, the end of chapter 4, the middle of chapter 5, he kind of talks about these two different ideas. These two different ideas about how quickly life seems to go, and then also the idea about how there are just certain parts of our life that just seem require a lot of endurance. And I believe we put these, these two ideas together, and I think it's, it can help us kind of navigate some of the more difficult parts of our lives, because this book, by and large, I hope you have felt this, has been pretty practical. And we kind of talk about, I mean, how, how, do, we, how do we manage both the brevity and, and the exhausting nature of life? So the first passage, first part of James we're going to look at is in James chapter 4, starting in verse 13. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, Spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live 
and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. So he's addressing this hypothetical group of people. It's like, man, who kind of have these big long-term business plans. And a year's not necessarily long-term, but for his, for his argument it is. It's like, you think you have some idea that you're going you're gonna to do this, you're going to do that, you're going to put this plan together, you're going to do this, and you're going to go to this other town, and you're going to do this, and a year from now you're going to make all this money. He's like, you're making these big plans for next year, and you don't even know what you're going to be doing tomorrow. And then he says, really, because your life is relatively insignificant. He says, you're, 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 just a, you're just a mist for appears for a little while and then vanishes. And so ultimately, kind of what we're talking about just a little bit ago, what he's saying here is kind of the simple idea is that life is short. Life is, life is short. And the way that he illustrates this, the fact that life is short, he says, you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And I talked about this a, little, uh, a few weeks ago, if you were here, and about I almost brought a prop with me but I didn't want to be prop guy. I came even closer today to being prop guy. Bring a little prop. I almost brought like a little mister bottle, right? And I was just going to like squirt it up into the light and you could see it for a little bit through the light and then it would go away. And so that's what you're like. But I still, I just, I can't. I can't bring myself. I can't, I can't bring a prop. I just, I just, ugh, I don't, I just, this doesn't feel right to me. So we'll use a different illustration. Like when it's cold. It's cold, right? And, f- and for, you're out there, it's cold and, you know, and you breathe like this, and for a little while you can see your breath, and then it's gone. And this is the way that James describes your life. It's like you think that you can have these big, huge plans, but really, you're just here just for a little while, like a mist that just kind of, boom, is gone. Now, I've been around, I've already described this, I've been around for a while, I've been married for 25 years, I've been married for many years longer than some of you have been alive, which makes me feel even older. And, uh, and, you know, and I've been going to church my whole life, went to church a lot when I was growing up, I was really involved in college ministry and stuff. And so I've heard messages, not one, not five, probably at least 20 different messages where at some point the, the preacher, talker, conference speaker, whatever, um, makes the point, hey, you know, life is short. And the application to that is always the same, right? If I were to tell you right now, if you knew beforehand, hey, one of the things we're talking about today is how life is short. What do you think the application point is for that? You would immediately know what it is. Life is short. You need to make the most of it. You need to do the things that matter most. You need to do the things that count. You need to invest in the people and the things that matter. And, well, it's church, so you need to be doing the things that God wants you to do now. You don't, there's no time to waste. Life is short. And I don't want to disagree with any of that. All of that is true and is a reasonable application for the idea that life is short. But that is not what James is saying. James is saying um, you know, that your life is short, that you are missed, you're here for a little while, and you, instead what you should be saying, you should not be making these plans Instead, you should think, if God will let me, because your life is so insignificant, it does not even register on the radar. You're just like this. Why do you think you're so great? You think you're so great, and you're so bold, and you're going to make these huge big plans, and you're going to do all these things? You're not, you're not big. You're not great. You're very small. You're like that. That's what you are. And that's really inspirational. <laughs> I feel real inspired by that. And... What he's trying to communicate here is our relative insignificance. 
In the big picture of this universe, in the big picture of the universe timeline, who and what we are is pretty small. So we should not think more of ourselves than what we actually are. And instead, if we're going to think about our life, we should think about it in terms of who God is. You are small, God is great. And so when you think about what your future holds, you should be thinking about in terms of what God is doing. If God wants me to do this, I will do that. I'm here for a little while. God is a big picture God. He's been here for the whole thing, beginning to end. He is big. He is great. And if this is what He wants me to do in my brief window, then, then that's what I'll do, if, if, if this is what He wants. And so, in, since I am insignificant, I am going to focus on the one who is significant. Now, you should still make a big difference. You should still try to capitalize on the brief window that you have. But what James is getting at here is for us to put ourselves in perspective. I am not as big and important as I think I am. And so then he continues on, because I think this is kind of ultimately sets a foundation. If, if life is short and I am as not as significant, I'm not as big a deal as I think I am, then it can kind of help me with this next idea that he's trying to communicate to us, which is um, in verse 7, in verse 7 of James chapter 5. In verse 7 of James chapter 5, James says this, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. So he starts off by telling us that life is short, and then comes just a little bit later, starts talking about our need to be patient. Man, you need to be patient like a farmer. And this farmer, he has to endure a lot of different things. And the prophets, they had to endure a lot of things. And Job had to do a lot of things. And you're going to have to learn to be patient and endure these things. And this is kind of ending this, this book, this letter, the way that James started it. He started it by saying, hey, when you go through a trial, you need to consider it joyful. Because in it, God is teaching you endurance, which is an essential skill in kind of navigating this life. And so he's kind of bookending this, kind of talking about our need to endure some of these harder portions of our life. And so what he says to start with is that life is short, but ultimately I think we could agree with this, life is short, but it doesn't always feel that way. I understand conceptually, in the big picture of the universe, my my time here is brief. I understand compared to God that my life is not very significant, that that, that it is just like a a snap, it's just a, and I'm gone. I get that, but it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel that way because sometimes there are parts of my life that they're long and it is hard to endure and I feel like sometimes I'm barely making it. And so he's talking to a group of people here who obviously are battling this or he wouldn't have brought it up at least twice so far. Hey guys, be patient. Be patient. God is coming back. And then he uses this illustration of a farmer and this is one of those challenges 
that a lot of times pastors have. You know, they'll, they think, okay, this is the points making. I got to come up with a really good illustration, right? Maybe something from my life or whatever. And I'm like, I don't even feel like I need to come up with an illustration because this illustration is actually really, really good. He's talking about a farmer here. He says, you need to be patient through life. Think about what farmers go through. And so I'm thinking about this this week. And I'm thinking about all the work that a farmer has to do even before he can plant the seeds for his crop. And, you know, especially if you're talking about 2,000 years ago when technology was what it was. The amount of work and effort that was put in just to get the soil ready, to clear it out of any obstacles or anything, to till uh, the soil, to get it prepared, all the, the, the hours and days and weeks that you would take. And you're doing all of this work, and what have you accomplished? Have, do you have food now? No, you haven't even planted any seed You have been working and working, and all you have done is get the soil ready. Well, then you you plant the seed. And then you work, and you work, and you work. You you water and make sure it's taken care of, and you do all this work, again, for weeks and months. And what do you have to show for it? Nothing. Nothing. It's still just dirt. It's just dirt. And if there's anything going on, It's underground and you can't see it. And so you continue to work and you continue to work. And after more and more time, finally you get some little evidence that something is happening. Little plants kind of just burst out everywhere. And guess what? You still ain't got nothing to eat. And so you work and you work and you work and you hope that the rain and the weather and everything works out that in the end, after months and months of labor the thing that you hoped for will come about. Does that feel like life sometimes? There's this thing that I'm striving for. There's this person that I want to be. There's this relationship that I'm trying to restore. There's these people that I'm trying to invest in. There's this obstacle that I'm trying to overcome. And I'm working, and I'm working, and I'm working, and I'm working. And if anything's happening, I can't see it. And it can be exhausting. And it can make some of us believe that what I need to do, what I, I, I just have, I'm just going to have to give up because I can't see it. And he's like, consider a farmer and all the work that he does. And he can't see it, but he trusts that it's going to pay off. I mean, isn't parenting, kind of thing I was talking about before, isn't parenting pretty similar to that? How much investment do you have to put into a kid before like, you feel like you're getting a payoff? I mean, if you've ever had a newborn, if you haven't had a newborn, if you've ever seen a newborn, ever been around a newborn, I mean, what what does it take? It takes, like, all of your energy, your heart, your soul, your life, your exhaustion, your sleep, your sanity, and it seems like every other relationship in your life is put on pause, and I put everything into this one child who can give me no feedback at all. And all I, they, they will puke on you, and that's it, that's the payoff. And you think, I mean, that's a lot to endure, and then what's on the other side of it? You finally start getting a little facial feedback. You close your eyes, now they're toddlers. He's like, I don't want feedback. <laughs> and every season is like that. I'm working, I'm working, I'm investing. And what I'm receiving for my investment seems to fall way short. 
I'm not investing in this because if I invest in this, I'm going to get more out of it. I invest in this because it is the right thing to do because God has called me to cultivate and love this human soul and to help him or her become everything that God has called them to be. And the payoff is 20, 30, 40 years in the future. But it's worth it because of the value of the life. And there are many things in our life that are just like that. The healing that needs to happen in your heart, the relationships in your life that need to be healed, the overcoming of the brokenness and pain that you believe has defined you for years. Too many of us are defined by our brokenness and pain. And we believe that there's nothing that's ever going to be done and we try and we work and we battle and we fight and it just seems like nothing's happening. But underneath... We need to be patient because underneath, something is happening. And the things that matter most in this life, the things that, that, that really matter, the, the, the changing of people, the, the, the drawing of people to relationship with God, the growing in deep personal ways that we need to do, that we need to help others do, all of these things take time. And sometimes it can be exhausting. And even though life is short, it, it, it doesn't feel that way. It feels like it's dragging. But then what James says, the very end, he's like, he talks about Job's perseverance. He ends by saying, the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. He, he, even in the midst of this talk about being patient, there's an optimism here. Because the thing that I think that James is wanting to communicate to us is even though that life is short, and it doesn't feel that way, it, that it's all going to be good in the end. It's all going to be good in the end. It's going to be worth it. Because the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. The thing that, that, that we are investing in, that God is going to make good on your investment. Now, I want to be real careful here, and, and ultimately James, I believe, is real careful here too, because he uses a couple of different illustrations to describe what it means when, 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 when I, my word, right, that, that, that it's going to be good in the end. His word is talking about the compassion and the mercy that he believes that the Lord is going to bring about in everyone's life who is enduring. He uses two different illustrations, and I think they both show us two different things. Well, the first one we'll look at is Job. You may not be familiar with this story. It is, um, it's in the Old Testament. It's in placement. It's right around where, uh, right where, where Psalms is. And, um, and it's a story of this guy who was very faithful to God. And, and um, Satan starts disputing with, um, with God and says, Man, he, he's, he's rich. He's got a good life. That's why he worships you. Anyway, I mean, if all that was gone, he wouldn't worship you. And God's like, well, All right. I think I can prove you wrong. It's a really weird story. And ultimately, Job loses almost everything. He loses his family, except for his wife. He loses all of his wealth, his home, and ultimately is inflicted with this, 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 these boils, just kind of this illness that's all over his body. He loses everything. And, and, and this book is about the internal struggle that he's going through and some well-meaning but bad advice-giving friends that he's interacting with. And, and ultimately, at the end, he remains faithful to God. 
And God overwhelmingly blesses him by giving him more than what he had lost. And so James intentionally uses this as an illustration. That you've going, you're going through loss, you're missing out, there's, there's, there's this pain, there's investment that you're making. But consider Job and everything that he went through. And how in the end what God did was overwhelmingly bless him. Now, at some point in this way we're about to talk about, I'm, there's going to be a comma. And I'm going to say but, and we're going to say some other things. But sometimes I think in messages like this, I, I, I do this because I don't, I don't want to deceive anybody. I don't want to lead, lead somebody to someplace where more disappointment's going to come. But I don't want to minimize the point here either. It's because very often, very often, what God is wanting to do is He is wanting to show you compassion and mercy and bless your endurance right here in this life. That you're being patient, you're investing in people, you're investing in the things that God values you're trying to do work in your own heart to overcome your own brokenness you're trying to love other people you're trying to navigate life that very often what god is wanting to do is he's wanting to overwhelmingly bless you and show his compassion and his mercy and his grace and his love to you here and you will get to see it and i want you to believe that i want you to believe that god is a good god and that his inclination is to reward my patience by doing something awesome for me at some point in this life. Comma. But I don't want to be naive, and neither is, neither is James. It's not always like that. Some of the things that we, we, we invest in and things that we do, we will not see the fruit of it in this life. And so his other illustration, his other Old Testament illustration, he uses our, our talk about the prophets. Brothers and sisters, as an example in the patient, of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. What well, is a great illustration? These people who were doing exactly what God called them to. And they were like, guys, God has given me this message. You need to stop doing that thing that you're doing. It's sin and God hates it. And they come together and it's like, hey, we've got a message for you. Shut up. Get the rocks. And, 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 and they get tortured. And they are abused. And they endure suffering. And ultimately, most of them, many of them, are martyred. And did not get to see repentance in their lifetime. So sometimes... God will show you the overwhelming fruit of your patience and endurance in this, and sometimes He won't. But ultimately, it is all going to be good in the end. And there's a phrase that James uses a couple of different times. Verse 7, be patient until the Lord's coming. Verse 8, you too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. There's going to come a time... When Jesus is going to come back and He is going to make a new world, one that is good, and all of the pain and all of the hurt, that will be gone. And that will be an eternal world. And your investment and your patience will be incredibly rewarded. And we need to, we need to take some heart in that. Because ultimately what He's saying is, your life is short, it's just like this. But what God has for you is amazing. 
He is going to come back and in light of eternity, whatever it is that you're going through will feel like nothing in comparison to this. And so be patient. That moment, that day is coming. When? I don't know, but I know it will be quick. Because my life is going to be like that. And then I enter into a new world with God. I'm a, I'm a big countdown the days till something cool happens kind of person. I really like to count down. I, think, I like numbers anyway, right? And so um, uh, I've got this work trip that's coming up here. I, I could tell you, I could say in a few days, or I could tell you exactly when. It's, it's in, in 12 days. In 12 days, this work trip, and it's an unfortunate, it's an unfortunate deal. The work trip is in Destin, Florida. And it's tough, man. You get, the, you, get these, you get these speaking engagements. Hey, will you come speak at this conference in Destin? I'm like, okay. And um, so bring it, taking our family and your side, we've been, we've been counting down the days to this. And some of the members of my family are big counting down people. Heidi is not. She's not. That's my wife. My youngest daughter, Layla, and she's a first grader, right? She's a first grader. I'm not sure what angst she's going through with first grader, but like every day there, like those last couple of weeks of school, it's like, Dad... How many more days do we go to the beach, right? And it's like, okay, I've been telling you. It stresses Heidi out, on the other hand. Like, if I say it's only 12 days, she feels like she's got 30 days worth of stuff to do between now and then, so it stresses her out. So I don't, I don't count down the days with her, right? So I got 12 days until, until, until that, which means there's only 10 days until our anniversary, which means that there's only 22 days until um, we're at a different beach without the kids for our 25th anniversary trip, Right? So I, I know all of these dates. It just, I don't have to think about it. They just come to me. I, like, I know. And because what it does is it helps me. It stresses my wife out because she thinks about everything she still has left to do. I love it because it's like, man, there's nothing. I mean, I, whatever happens over the next few weeks will be fine because on the other end of this, we've got some great things that are coming up. And what James is saying here, you may not be able to count down to the specific day but in what can only be described as like that. Your life is short. And this good, great, awesome God is going to come and He is going to restore and give you a completely different world without the brokenness, without the pain. And all you have to do is hang in there. Be patient. Continue to invest in the right things. Continue to do the things you know the Lord wants to do. Continue to overcome the brokenness and the hurt and the pain in your life. Continue to invest in the people that God has placed in your life to help them overcome, to help them know who Jesus Christ is, to help them grow deeper in their faith, to to restore people, to love people. Continue to do that. Hang in there through the worst that this life has to offer you. Because ultimately... The Lord is coming back. And the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. And and you will receive that compassion and mercy. Life is short. I know it doesn't feel like it, but it's short. So just be patient. Because ultimately what God is going to do in the end is going to be amazing. Now, this is a common thing that I think a lot of times that we talk about at church. The reason why? Because I think there is, I mean, it's the same reason James brings it up multiple times in a relatively short letter. One of the most difficult things about life, about really walking with God, is figuring out what do we do 
when I'm just not feeling it. When, when life is, is dragging and pulling on me more than, than, than I feel like that I can handle. Because there's this thing out there that we wish were true that just isn't true. It's like, well, I'm just going to follow God and then everything's going to be great. Well, you can follow God, but you still live in a world full of brokenness. You live in a world and you've still got brokenness. You live in this world and, and, and things still happen. How do we manage that? And I believe what he's done for us is given us something great. And, and this idea about rethinking and praying and believing that, 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 that Jesus is coming back. I realize this kind of, you know, this happens. This is why it's good for us as a church to kind of pick books and we'll just talk about whatever the book talks about. Because I don't really talk about that very much. Talking about, hey, you know, God's coming back and, and heaven's going to be great. I don't talk about that very much. I was trying to think about that. Why? You know, and I think one of the things we try to focus on, things that seem are, are real practical. You know, we want the things that we talk about on Sunday to be practical, to be helpful for you. Like what we talk about on Sunday matters and is helpful on Tuesday. But then I was thinking about this this week. I don't, I don't know that there's anything more practical than for me to be able to try to help you have a mindset that says, I can endure anything that this world throws at me because it will be brief and what God has for me in the future is, is more amazing and is beyond my imagination. And that will help you on Tuesday. And so my guess is we've come in here with varying degrees of burdens and brokenness and overwhelmingness, overwhelmed by hurt and confusion or whatever. And I think it's on days like this that it's even more important to me to kind of point out to you our prayer team that is back there. Maybe, maybe the thing that you're battling, you feel like yeah, I, don't even, I don't even have words to be able to, to know what to do. And, and to have someone pray for you, to give you some encouragement, I'd encourage you to do that. As always, we've got lots of different ways to respond and process back there. Communion is available. You don't have to be a member here, just a follower of Christ. Um, there's a prayer candles where you can pray and lift up prayers. You can pray at the cross. We're going to worship. We're going to give. Lots of different things. But let's ask God to kind of renew our mind a little bit about the hope that we can have in this life and the next. That no matter what this throws at us, life is short and the God that is full of compassion and mercy and grace and love. Let's just pray that we will all experience that now and be excited about the awesome future that He has. Let's pray. God, I thank You. I thank You for James. I thank You for just what a privilege it's been to just kind of walk through this over these last few weeks and and God, I pray that we would just have a different mindset about life. The God, that we would not be overwhelmed. That we would not look outside of you for hope. But God, that just for a little while, we can endure, we can be patient. And we can see the healing and the life that you will bring both in this life and the next. And so God, I pray that you would, just, you would renew our mind and you would help us overcome. Help us be patient. And God, we are so thankful for your son Jesus who makes all this possible. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.